You're listening to a special edition of Customer Experience Insights. I'm your host, Scott Nagel. I lead our consultant program here at Genesis as part of our influencer marketing team. Today's episode is the third in a series of podcasts where we explore the best-selling book, Empathy in Action, written by Genesis CEO Tony Bates and Dr. Natalie Petahoff. Lori Bachlin joins Dr. Natalie in this episode, where we explore chapters 6 through 9 and focus on the four systems of experience orchestration and how technology is enabling experience as a service. Lori is an influential consultant and industry speaker. It really was amazing, as you'll see, to hear Lori and Natalie discuss the path towards experience as a service. Here's our conversation. Hey, welcome back, Natalie and Lori. Thanks for joining us. To start off, Lori, can you tell our audience a little about yourself and your firm? Sure. Uh, I'm Lori Bachlin. I'm the president of Strategic Contact, and we're an independent consulting firm that works on contact center projects all the time. My background is uh, education and engineering, uh, so I think Natalie and I have a little affinity there for our love of math and science, but I've been in the contact center industry uh, over 30 years and like most people kind of landed here by accident and then just fell in love with it because it's so multidimensional. And my company's been in existence for 18 years, helping companies of all sorts, sizes, different center uh, types, uh, do optimization, select and implement technology, make uh, process changes, organizational changes, a lot of different things. So it's a it's a pleasure to work in the industry and, and get to help so many different companies improve their both their employee experience and their customer experience. Excellent. And it was kind of neat to find out that you two have actually spoken together, I think, on a panel in the past. So yes, you are a long time ago. We've been at this a while. <laughs> yes, definitely not strangers. Hey, I'm going to start with the first question for both of you. What are some of the most important breakthroughs that are either happening or need to happen to move companies towards the level of maturity described in the book? Well, I'll, I'll uh I like that you use the word maturity and, you know, that's talked about in the book. Um, we actually have something we call our maturity spectrums. And, and when we do those assessment and planning type projects, we, we go through a rating process. We have our clients rate themselves and, and we rate them on, on 18 categories. And it's been interesting. We have four levels, basic, good, better, and best. And I think people come in thinking they're, they're better than they are. And then they realize, wow, we're, we're really pretty basic or pretty much in that lower end of the spectrum. And they're really trying to start to, to get to those breakthroughs that the book is you know, trying to push people towards transformation where they have that mindset. And you know, I see some things that I think are themes that we'll talk about today, but the omni-channel experiences, which you know, we've been talking about multi-channel and then omni-channel in this industry for, gosh, what, 20 years. And I think it's become, it's imperative. The customers have made it a, an imperative. You know, they expect that. And so I think that's that's the first one. And I know, Natalie, you've done some things with uh, your descriptions of, you know, like chat sessions and things like that. Maybe you want to give some examples of that. Yeah, I think um, I think you're absolutely right, Lori. And it, it's really great to get to talk to you. And, and thank you for joining us today. I think you're right the customer has said, we want to be able to use lots of channels. We want you to make it seamless. And we don't really want to start over and tell our story again. And I think part of the shift or the change to an experience platform is really about collecting that customer event data. So kind of knowing who is the customer, right? What are they trying to do? What have they done? And then starting to take that event data and enrich it with AI to predict 
the next best action? Is it going to go to an agent or a bot and be able to do that on all channels? And I think that, you know, whether you're transferring to a bot or to an agent, if you're really looking, you know, some people are still looking to cut costs. If you're looking to cut costs, you want the AI and the data to be able to combine and really have an enriched intelligence to be able to answer a lot of those initial questions. So when the bot or the agent actually starts to figure out what to do. There's so much information given to both of them that they can immediately dive in and they recognize it's, you know, hi, Lori, I see you're looking at a new bicycle. Is that the thing that you have questions with instead of asking people to go through their whole story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's kind of one of the second items that I would say is on that, the maturity, the breakthroughs, Scott, is, is the personalization Natalie's kind of setting up there in, the, in that example. And, you know, that's, again, something that's been talked about for a long, long time. But the description, Natalie, that you're giving shows how we're kind of to that new stage in the industry where it's the point where you actually can make that happen without the, the huge efforts that when we first started talking about personalization, people weren't really ready to do it. They loved the concept, but they couldn't make it happen unless they were a huge company with lots and lots of resources. And so that role of data and artificial intelligence and and those insights that the tools can bring to that customer experience that you're describing, I think is a, is a huge breakthrough that we have and use the, you know, get away from the mass produced. You talked about that in the book, get away from the mass produced customer experience. And that's really, I think one of the key elements that we're seeing start to change. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Lori. I think, and part of the thing when I'm talking to customers is they'll come to us and they'll say, well, do you have an AI chatbot? Or, you know, do you have AI? And, you know, our response is, of course, but what are you looking to do with AI? Are you just looking to reduce repetitive actions? Are you actually trying to make the experience more intelligent so that you can actually service customers better. And I think, you know, our answer to that is, yes, we could give you an AI chatbot or a voice bot, but what if you use data and AI to collect data from the whole experience and then use that to inform the experience so you're enriching the data inside that platform and it doesn't require the kind of customization and configuration so if you just buy a chatbot and then you buy an AI chatbot and then you buy an AI voice bot and then you buy all these different pieces, part of the struggle, I think, even for companies that are ready for this, is they're still seeing the contact center as components and you duct tape them together somehow. And what we're really looking at it in the book is to be able to say, what if you had an orchestration experience that actually helped you to gather all this information, analyze it inside the platform, and then deliver up that kind of experience with that kind of intelligence? And that's really where I think if you look at an experience platform versus the one-off pieces, you can't really match it in cost or in the ability to deliver an experience. Yeah. And that, so that's the breakthrough on the customer experience side. And then the breakthrough on the employee experience side, and Scott, I'll bring this back to, we had done the workforce engagement management discussion a few months ago. Yeah. And that gets into the employee engagement, which we see as a huge challenge right now with the work from home and the difficulty hiring and retaining, you know, high attrition is the number one by far in our annual challenges and priorities survey. And we see that part of it. And, you know, so Natalie, again, I want to want you to weigh in on how we change the employee experience is the other thing people are trying to mature on. 
because they know the same old ways of doing things aren't going to work at this point, right? They can't find the right people, train them, retain them with engagement that is about excitement about serving those customers and feeling rewarded and recognized and all those things. So to me, that's another place that really requires the the innovation and uh, open-mindedness and ready to change that Natalie, you and Tony describe in the book, right? That's another breakthrough that we have to have happening. I think a lot of people approach customer experience separately from employee engagement or employee experience. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, a good percentage of the interactions are still, still use a human being. So if that's true for your contact center or your customer experience center, then you want to start to look at those people as your brand ambassadors. And are you creating a whole lot of work for them? So what is that? I mean, the, the basic premise of the book is, what if you sat in the seat of your customers? What would you see from that customer's point of view? How easy is it to do business with you? How much of my time do you waste? How difficult is it to find answers? You know, whether it's through an automated bot or whether it's through an agent. And a lot of times I think we have this expectation as customers that we want the company to know who we are and what we're trying to do. But the truth is they really don't have all that information. And then customers get upset with agents or employees. And the truth is, I don't know that we're really empowering them in the same way that what if you had an employee experience platform? And in the same way that we've talked about orchestrating a customer experience, what if you orchestrated that employee experience from their point of view? What is it that they really need to be able to answer those questions? So again, if you're taking your AI and you're using that to enrich the data, it can automatically tell you, let's say someone's authenticated on your website. It can tell you it's Lori. She's looking at this. She's looked at these FAQs. She has something in her cart, but she's not bought. And so immediately that agent or that bot can really dive in and start to interact with that person and get them what they really need. And imagine if you went to work every day and people asked you questions and you couldn't answer them, or it took a whole lot of digging to try to find those answers versus you come into work a lot of, you know, you start a call or an interaction and all that information is served up for you. And now you can really get to the heart of what that person's needing and you can help them and then quickly get them on their way. And I think, you know, really looking at the difference between the tools and the experience from the employee's point of view, for a long time, contact centers have been what I kind of see as like an assembly line. Mm-hmm for experiences and we're not making it easy on them. It's not easy to change your work schedule. It's not easy to figure out what am I really good at? What kind of training do I need real time? So I I think just that, like if if contact center directors and executives and, and maybe HR could sit down and just sit in the seat of those people and experience what they experience. And then if they could have an experience of what is possible now, what, what that Delta or that differences, I think that they would probably agree, you know, what we're doing right now is not really working. Yeah. I have a great example of that, by the way, we're doing a, a project where the leaders on a discovery call where we were learning about their challenges, they basically all said, there's no way we could do the job those agents are doing. And I thought there, there's the profound statement of what you were just describing, Natalie, right? That they don't have the knowledge being fed up fast enough. It's not easy enough to find answers. They don't have all the insights to help a customer. And so the agents struggle to meet all the metrics and everything. And the leadership knows we haven't made it easy for them to succeed. 
I, in fact, someone paid way more with way more experience and knowledge, couldn't do that job. And that's a problem. Right. And it's fascinating. I mean, like if your company has one or two products and, you know, maybe there's a service package, right. Then it's pretty easy to get to know that product and, and maybe the services that come along with that. But think about most companies have dozens or hundreds of different products and different models and yeah. different capabilities. And so it's almost as though you're asking those agents to kind of memorize everything about your whole, you know, your products and services and without having, you know, that ability to collect that information, know what the customer's needing and their sentiment at that moment. And without really having that knowledge base to serve the employee who then serves the customer, there's no way that you can really expect them to do all that. And I don't know about you, but I know if I came to work every day and people yelled at me for eight hours, I probably <laughs> last uh, about a half a day. Um, and I think they really want to do their best. I don't think they oh, come absolutely. to work to be you know, mean to customers, but when we're not really enabling them. And I don't think that people who run contact centers really meant to make that job miserable. It's just that the paradigm when contact centers got set up was all about efficiency and cost effectiveness or cost reduction, because they saw that interaction as costing the company mm -hmm. versus when we do that interaction, if the experience is really great, that customer is going to be more loyal. They're going to buy more, their customer lifetime value increases. So seeing it from that loyalty creating revenue driving type experience. And I'll have to say, I, you know, you and I have been in this industry a long time. It's only now that we're really seeing technology enable an experience that really can enable loyalty, right? Up until now, most everything was designed to cut costs for the, or increase productivity. And it's only now that we're starting to see the shift in how experience platforms are designed so that they can not only deliver cost cutting because you can give people what they need and get them on their way sooner or use the extra time that you might have had in an interaction to build a relationship and see what else they need. It's only now that we have that technology. So I think when people really start to realize the technology is available, I think that will help some of that mind shift that we, we would, I think a lot of people, leaders don't even know what to do. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's so great to talk to you because this is what we want to help them see that there are alternatives now. Yeah. That's what you're advocating for in the book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're talking about technology, Lori, I wanted to ask you how you see technology enabling experience as a service. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I like, you know, people talk about the perfect storm in a bad way. I like to talk about a perfect storm in a good way in this case, because to me it's, uh, to kind of some of the things Natalie was talking about, like when you talk about AI and processing massive amounts of data, we're at the time where that's feasible because of the cloud, because of what machine learning can do, because of the amounts of data that can get consumed, whether it's about the customer or the business as a whole, the products, like Natalie was talking about all these different products. And so the ability through all these technologies that have come into being over the last you know, they've been around 10 or 15 years, but they've hit their stride with cloud and AI and data-driven, all these buzz phrases we like to use, but they've really come together in a way that makes it feasible for people now. And I, I have a lot of small to mid-sized centers that I deal with, you know, so the big centers that had the army of analysts or IT departments maybe could do some of these things. It might be more expensive and a lot more work, but they could do them before. 
now it's it's accessible to centers of all sizes, really, right? Through suites and platforms that bring a lot of tools together in the ecosystems that go with it. So I think it's it's a paradigm breaking time because I don't have to go, well, I'm too small to afford that, or we don't have enough resources because it's easier to make things happen and they can do it faster and they can get more bang for their buck. So I think that makes it a really exciting time of how technology can enable, whether it's the customer experience or the employee experience, that it's it's going to be different. It can be different. And I think that's really true. And that's part of why in the book we went through the five industrial revolutions, because what we wanted to say is we're not trying to make anybody wrong about what we see today. But if we look at the five industrial revolutions, the first three were really focused on business-centric efficiency and effectiveness. And the fourth industrial revolution, we started with data and AI. And now in this fifth industrial revolution, we have these you know, exponential capabilities that we've never had before. And so with that, that new understanding and that new outlook, now we have a whole new way of looking at how we run our businesses. And that's pretty exciting. That's great. Natalie, you know, in the book, you describe four systems of experience orchestration. Can you explain those to us briefly? Sure. So the four empathy pillars are listen, understand and predict, act and learn. And so in the first step, let's say that you and I had a, you know, we were getting to know each other, Lori. And the first thing I do is listen, right? And I get to know you. And then I start to understand and predict, oh, I bet this is how I could contribute to our conversation. And then I might think, oh, well, why don't we, you know, why don't I introduce you to someone that I know that could really use your help? And that would be part of ACT. And then learn would be like step back and think about our experiences together and how could I enrich our, our friendship. So in the same way that people interact, what we've done with the experience platform is to be able to take those human capabilities and codify them into software using data and AI and, and the platform and channels and be able to use each of those steps or empathy pillars to be able to drive a different kind of employee and customer experience. Very good. Lori, anything to add to that? Well, yeah, not, uh, we always, we've talked about for years, we do a lot of assessment and planning projects and help people build out plans and that. And we always talk about the importance of continuous improvement. You know, nothing stands still in the contact center and the four systems of experience orchestration that Natalie's describing is really a, a more mature version of doing that, right? And having better tools and everything to do it. You know, I had a client long, long ago that said, you know, one of the things in the contact centers, we have tons of data, we just don't know what to do with it. And I thought, I mean, that was so insightful because it's not a problem of lack of data. Even, you know, if you go back 20, 25 years ago, there was still lots of data, but all people did was spit out a report, right? And, and so they lacked the, well, what does this tell me? What am I learning? What am I going to do with it? And, and we, even, we would even see on projects where we'd go in and we'd look at a report they've been producing every day for years and we go, well, what is this data point telling you? And no one could explain it because the, the measure of success was we produced a report. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, we're way past that. We've got to do the things Natalie's describing. And again, the good news is the tools are there to do it. Uh, the, the other little ingredient that, you know, we, we, we find is so important is the resources to do something with that data, right? So even though the tools have gotten a lot smarter, I still need an analyst or someone to say, okay, I'm going to now go run a project to do the acting and the, you know, then get the feedback of, did it work? And that kind of thing. So that's another important piece of the puzzle 
that too often people don't fund. Uh, you know, people don't like to add headcount, and it's like, well, then get an outside resource to help you or something, right? That uh, to really get the value out of what these tools can bring to the contact center. And what we're seeing with customers is that because you're cutting costs, because you're making it a much for the employee, there's less cognitive burden. So there's less attrition. And for the customer, because the customer is getting what right to what they need, the interactions are often shorter if they need to be, which cut costs or the employee and customer experience is so good that it creates that retention that we're seeing that you can actually save money that you didn't, you could, it was not possible without this kind of technology before. And so now resources like what you're talking about, Lori, can be added because you have extra budget to be able to take that information that you've learned. And there's nothing worse than learning about your organization and not taking that gold, that the gold mine of information and really going back and saying, okay, how can we make this better? Right. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's good. All right. This question's for both of you. What do leaders need to do to make experience as a service happen in their organizations? Well, I'll start us off. And again, this is one of my biggest hot buttons. And I know that what Natalie and, and Tony wrote about in the book certainly reinforces this, but it, it's like none of this happens without strong leadership. And I like to talk about enlightened leadership because I deal with a lot of leaders that might come across as strong, but don't have all the insights that they need to do these things. And, you know, I kind of put a few elements in that of defining strategy, you know, making it clear, here's what we're pursuing and why and how we're going to do it and not the details, but funding it and, you know, the resources and all those kinds of things. And then that clear and consistent ongoing messaging, one of my favorite topics, and I know Natalie wrote about it is change management. I got certified in change management, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I joke, it's the best class I ever took other than typing in seventh grade, you know, and it's so helpful to understand what helps people change and what, what holds them back from changing. And it requires really, really strong leadership to make big process changes or to really use technology in new ways and not just go buy new stuff and do the same old things that, that they've done forever. So those are, those are things that I think are absolutely critical to making this experience as a service really happen. And it, it really goes back to the top and that leadership capability. I think you're absolutely right. I'm a big fan of change management. I wish we could find a new term because I, I remember when I was a management consultant, if we put it into the SOW, it would get scratched off because they would be like, oh, we don't need that, you know, kumbaya stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I would be like, well, do you want all the action items on your team completed? Do you want your project to be on time within scope and budget? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's what change management is going to get right. you. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, nobody said it like that. My experience is that when you implement technology without really considering the transformation or the transitions that people have to go through because you're really changing how they do their work, how they function on a daily basis. And adult learners are different than when we're in school. And so you're requiring people to change behaviors. And like you said, learning what helps someone change their behavior is really key because I also implemented a lot of technology where people didn't change their behavior <laughs> and the like, $500 million later, they just trashed the project. And for me, that was really sad. You could kind of see the end coming and the end was going to look like that. But no matter how many times we said this is not going to go well without doing, you know, the people part of change, they were 
you know, that mindset was just really stuck in a rut. I guess what we call blind spots and a lot of money was wasted for a long time. So yeah. I'm, I love that you fell in love with change management because I, I think it's the best kept secret ever. Yeah. And, and I, I guess from my perspective, the good news is it's less of a secret. So more and more we see companies have embraced it. And I like you, I mean, I had to get past all that touchy feely stuff uh, over the years, but now I would say the vast majority of the time when I tell clients they need to do this, the leadership embraces it. And without fail, as soon as they get a little bit of training, they're great advocates of it because they see the light bulbs go off immediately about the value of it. So I think that's one of the places where there has been a breakthrough and, you know, not universally, of course, but I think a lot of people do get it now. So, but with people like you out there helping them understand what it actually means versus I think that's the difference is, is practitioners who are really good at helping leaders see the value. And, and when you do, when you get to interact with someone like you and you really learn and you see the value, it's like a visceral feeling of like, oh, this is what it was that someone was trying to tell me. And it, it takes a lot of skill. And Lori, obviously you're really well-versed and really successful at helping leaders see that. But I think that's one of the most difficult things is to get them to get over that hump and really see that this is a necessary part of their business. Yeah. So congratulations. That's really yeah. cool. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's, it's a topic just for both of us. I think that when you have that kind of passion around it, the passion kind of seeps into the other people too. And, you know, in our projects, we get the pleasure when we would go on site, we used to do focus groups. Now we do a lot of other ways of gathering input from the frontline people. And I find it's some of the most powerful input we can get to bring enlightenment awareness to leaders. And I always take a humble approach to consulting because it's like, we may say something that somebody else has told the leaders before, but they, that, you know, you are a management consultant, you know, sometimes they, they listen better when you're an outsider. Oh, always. Yeah. But by gathering that input and packaging it in a way to get leaders to go, oh, now I see what I need to do. I see what problems I need to solve and what I need to do. And in fact, a lot of their, their lower level people have been maybe banging some drums for a while, but it just needs to get elevated and brought to their attention. And, and again, I think that's what you and Tony are doing with the book is bringing attention to some of those things that leaders, I mean, that's a big part of your audience, right? Is elevate that, that message to the leaders about these are the kinds of ways you have to think differently to get those breakthroughs, you know? So you talked about that North Star triad in the book. And I, I loved that phrase because it, it's, you know, every, the North Star resonates for everybody, you know, from when we were little kids, it's like, look for the North Star, right? And it gives people a pillar to say, okay, I'm going to go look for that how do I use empathy to drive trust and loyalty? And again, those two paths we're talking about, the customers and the employees. And we see it on projects all the time. You see it in talking to your customers through Genesis. You know, the employees, like you said, they want to succeed. They, they want to be enabled and empowered to do that. And most of the things aren't that hard. It's just getting the right leadership to guide that. And on the customer side, you've described it well, you know, they, they want that personalized experience and that's, that's what we need to do. That's the breakthrough. Well, this has been awesome. I want to wrap up and ask each of you, are there any final thoughts to share with our listeners? Lori, we'll start with you. I guess the one other thing I, I liked in the book, cause it resonates so much for me is you talked about the blind spots and 
probably the most common phrase we hear from a prospective client who's like, I want to fix my contact center. They say, we don't know what we don't know. And you use the, you know, that phrase basically in the book and, and said to the, the reader, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so we hear it all the time. And it's, I, I think Natalie, you were, you were mentioning it earlier, kind of this insular internal view that people have. And I always talk about contact center saying the tactical swamps, the strategic, right? There's always a fire to fight every day. And people love being firefighting heroes. So they, they solve the tactical problem right in front of them that moment. And that's great. We got to do that. But it's like empathy in action is saying, move your eyes up a little, think strategically, look a little bigger and go solve those problems. So I'm, I'm hopeful that EAAS, you know, the, the experience as a service becomes a mindset that is that more strategic and will drive that transformation that you're talking about in the book, Natalie. Thank you. I, I hope so too. I mean, I think the contact center is for such a long time has been a very tactically driven organization, mm -hmm. right? And it's been measured very tactically and not strategically. And so if you look at employees and customers, neither one of are on the balance sheet. And yet, if you had no employees, there'd be nobody to create products and services or to deliver them. And without customers, you'd have no one to buy the products or services, but neither are on the balance sheet. So I think there's a, a growing awareness that we really need to look at these two assets differently. And I think one of the blind spots that a lot of companies have is that insular thinking mm -hmm. about the culture or, you know, it happens all the time about not invented here, or like you say something and then somebody else in the meeting says what you just said. And then everybody acknowledges that person versus you're like, I just said that, or, you know, people saying things like, well, that's the way we do things. And it creates that kind of complacency culture killer, I think. And it's really, I, I feel like maybe it's what's really required is psychological safety to be able to bring up things that aren't necessarily popular. And I think if you're in a tactical organization, people don't want to hear the problem. They just want to get to the solution. But in a strategic organization, I think people have more room to hear about those things because now you're solving it, not just from like, I got to get this done in the next three minutes or the next hour. It's something that we can have a longer term view and we can address those more strategic issues that if they're not dealt with, we pretty much keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. And that's what we're hoping to avoid. Right. Very good. I want to thank both of you for a super interactive discussion today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Scott. And thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Lori. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate you. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. All right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Listen, if you have any questions about our discussion today, don't hesitate to contact us. You can reach us via email at influencermarketing at genesis.com. If you want to find out more about the book, Empathy in Action, or buy it, go to empathyinactionbook.com. You can also order the book on amazon.com. Thanks again for joining us and have a great day.